Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Nigel Travis. He is the former chairman of the board at Duncan Brands, former CEO at Papa John's, former COO at Blockbuster. He's the joint owner and chairman of Leighton Orient Football Club, and he's author of the book, The Challenge Culture. You can follow him on Twitter at Nigel Travis. Nigel, thanks for joining me. How are you? Brian, I'm good. Uh, yeah, life's interesting, but uh, I'm more optimistic than I have been for some time. Yeah, that's good. I think we're starting to see some things uh, open up a little bit. And, you know, maybe we're going to return to some sense of normal in the future. I want to start our conversation by asking, uh, you were born into an entrepreneurial family. Uh, Your father had several businesses, including a uniform business, a twine and rope wholesaling business, a toy distribution business. What did you learn from observing him? I think I'd say the pain of making payroll, the pain of raising money. Um, I remember my father and mum being in tears when they didn't think they were going to have enough money to pay the bills. That's always stuck with me. I also remember very vividly my dad going around to collect money, uh, knock on someone's front door. So I think it was the risk that comes with investment in anything that's entrepreneurial. Um, Now, I'm saying this because I've always been a corporate person. Uh, Probably the biggest risk I've taken in terms of running a business is buying Lake Orient Football Club. which, as you know, was kind of broken in every way you can look at it when we did. So I'm not a true entrepreneur, but I've learned to appreciate great entrepreneurs. And being in the franchising business, I've seen a lot of them. You've taken what you learned there and you've worked for some of the biggest brands in the world. Duncan Brands, Baskin Robbins, Papa John's, Blockbuster, Burger King. What are the elements that make for a successful brand in your opinion? Oh, number one, you've got to stay focused on the customer. And, and I mean, it's as simple as making sure you do all your market research. Um, it's as simple as uh, trying to look at trends. I've, I read everything. I mean, one of the things I talk about in the book, I think surprises people, is... When you run a big company, a lot of people hate talking to the analysts. Um, I've always embraced them. And at Duncan, we had 36 different analysts. And the reason I embrace them is not only do they talk to you, they talk to your competitors. I mean, we had analysts who followed Starbucks, McDonald's, you name them. And you get an insight by reading their reports and talking to them about what's going on elsewhere. That's really helpful information. And, and it was interesting. Someone said something to me yesterday about the football club. They said, I don't know why you read the fans forum. A lot of them talk nonsense. I said, they're our customers. 
And the person said, well, I bet you didn't do all that at, at Dunkin'. I said, I did, because no brand has greater loyalty than Dunkin'. I mean, people here, particularly in the Northeast, are obsessed with Dunkin'. So I think you've got to really stay in tune with the customer. And, and, and I think if you do that, you can sometimes anticipate trends. Speaking of anticipating trends and seeing around corners, as you've told me before, how do you do that? It sounds easy, right? It sounds easy to anticipate trends and see around corners. Does it just come with experience or how do you do that? Well, I think it comes from several things. I mean, uh, when I was at Duncan, we studied what everyone was doing. I mean, we had a whole team that did competitive intelligence. Um, we also looked at trends in other industries. So, so let me give you a, an example. I'm not quite sure when it was, but I would guess it was about 2017, 18. We saw in Europe a big upswing in delivery. Uh, and then we saw that really take off in Asia. And I was trying to encourage everyone to get into delivery. Now, shame on us. We were a bit slow in the US. But it took a pandemic to accelerate delivery to the size it is today. And look at what's happened with DoorDash's IPO, consolidation in, in the delivery space. Um, in fact, the conversation I had right before this call was all about delivery. And, and then it's actually got even, it's gone even further. I mean, being on two boards of two retail companies, Abercrombie & Fitch and Advanced Auto, delivery is in that field as well. And, and I think what you do is you spot a trend somewhere and say, is this going to work? I mean, another example is, as I think you and I have discussed when we were talking just about sports, I see streaming for clubs as a huge trend. And, and we picked that up. We've worked on it. And I, I didn't expect we'd have a pandemic. No one did. But that has been so helpful for us during the pandemic. So... I think it's just researching, talking to consumers. Sometimes it's taking a few risks to try things. I mean, another good example, at Dunkin' in about 2017, we did curbside delivery. In other words, you turn up with your car, someone will bring out the product to you and put it in your car. Think what that's been like in the pandemic. Restaurants have relied on curbside, and so has retail. So I think sometimes you have to try things. We tried it at Dunkin'. About 100 stores tried it, and we were very much ahead of our time. And I think you have to take that risk to be ahead of the time um, to, to work on innovation. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit OpenSesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. You work with business executives. You also work with coaches and athletes. 
different worlds. How do you communicate with the parties in those two worlds? Well, I'm, I may be lucky because a little bit of my history is I wasn't a very good footballer or for the American audience, soccer player. I then did refereeing for a few years, didn't like the way it was run. So I became a coach at the age of 18. So I've coached for, um, what's that now, 52 years. So I understand the language of coaching, but I've always said being a coach and managing a team has been one of the best developments for anyone because you have to talk to individuals about when they're in the team, when they're out the team, what they've done right, what they've done wrong. And I think it really helped me during my business career. I think there's a lot of language to learn in business. I think in many ways, it's more difficult than coaching. And when I moved from being an HR professional in 1991 to a general manager, and this is this story is in the book, I basically said to the team, look, I don't know too much about finance, marketing, operations, uh, product development, you name it. I'm going to rely on you. And, and I want you to teach it to me. So I think you have to be open and you'll pick up things. Now, um, I'm still not an expert on, say, food technology, to take one example. But you have to rely on other people, be willing to ask smart questions and a lot of questions. Um, and I've always said that communications isn't just talking to people or talking at people. The key is asking great questions. And that that's where you get engagement and I find at the club, you ask really good questions. It, it seems to work. And on our board at Leighton Orient, we have my ex-general counsel, Rich Emmett. Uh, he was the general counsel at Duncan and at Papa John's. He came on board, didn't know anything about football. But my God, does he ask great questions. And, and, and he gets underneath the, well, we've always done it that way. So Rich will say, well, why have you always done it that way? And he pushes and pushes. So I think that's the way you really communicate. The nature of work has been changing for quite some time, clearly accelerated recently. What role do you think training and education play and what responsibility do organizations have to reskill the workforce and prepare for the future? Oh, I think it's absolutely critical. And uh, I had a call this afternoon with one of my organizations with a bunch of franchisees. And training came up multiple times because they're worried about recruiting talent and 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 obviously uh, technology is changing the role of many jobs. So they, they see training as absolutely critical there. But I think we're in such a fast-changing world. Um, when I did live speeches before the pandemic, I had this video that showed how fast the world had moved, uh, obviously driven by technology. It's going to move even faster going forward. Think about all the things coming down the world, like um, quantum computing and 5G. And, um, and so training, to me, is absolutely critical. And I think the other thing I'd say in terms of training, we, we all need to be trained all the time. Uh, I had a conversation this morning. I'm chairman of the Governance and Nominating Committee of a <coughs> public company. And recently, we discussed on the board how to train our board members better, to, to actually invest in board members. And, and 
as there's so many things we need to learn because there's so many things that board members are handling. So the, the answer of your simple question is, and I could go on giving example after example, training is unbelievably important. In your book, you stress the importance of building a challenge culture. If you stepped into a new organization today where a challenge culture was non-existent, where would you start to change the culture and how would education and training play a part of that? Well, I think it depends where I go in. If you go in at the top, it's a lot easier because <laughs> you can demonstrate by example. But say I suddenly went into an organization um, I think what you do is you, you have to show by example. You have to show that you're willing to be challenged in everything. Um, I mean, it can be simple things like you write a presentation. So you ask five people to look at it. And the first thing most people will do if you're more senior than them is say, oh, yeah, it looks very good. So what you do is you say, oh, hold on, that's not the right answer. I want you to go away and tell me how it should be better. And and I think you just have to keep demonstrating by simple, simpler examples of what the challenge culture really means. So I think you start small, you then encourage them to do it. Uh, to me, the best thing I ever did when I was at Dunkin' was the coffee chat, um, whereby I get a group of people in, in, in a room, diagonal slice across the functions and different levels. You then go into the room, and say, this is going to be a bit like a TV chat. Uh, we're going to talk about anything you want. Uh, and we will take note of things that need improving. But you have to create a safe environment. So you can't name individuals. Everything they say has to be anonymous. But you have to demonstrate the kind of controversial things you're willing to talk about. And the examples I used to say at Duncan were, okay, if you want to ask and talk about whether we should be acquired or whether we should acquire other companies, let's talk about it. In other words, giving them permission to talk about it. Another one I used to say is, uh, particularly uh, in the time when we had one sexual harassment uh, issue after another, um, I used to say, well, let's talk about, do we should we be concerned about how people behave in Duncan? So you take slightly difficult subjects or are subjects that are controversial and say it is safe to talk about that. And then that opens up the floodgates to talk about other things. So to me, the answer to your question, you have to demonstrate what you mean by the challenge culture. And you have to, in everything you do, be open to that challenge. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Speaking of training and education, describe some employee training methods that have worked well for you and the organizations you've worked with. And then have you seen any correlation between high growth organizations and a solid training and education program? Well, I, uh, 
I think one of the things that's really worked phenomenally well are the organizations that have a consistent amount of training. Uh, and by the way, the example I'm going to quote goes back years. Uh, consistent training globally right through the organization. I work for a Cleveland-based company called, called Parker Hannifin, uh, and they had all these training programs. This is back in the 80s. But they put the same training programs on globally, and that meant everyone had the same language. It refined the skills of everyone. They had people across functions doing the sales cycle was one of their programs, and the sales cycle was about selling. But you think about it, if you're in human resources or in finance, you have to sell. If you're in finance, you may have to sell to investors. Uh, if you're in HR, you may have to sell to new employees. So I found that really, really successful. I think these days, this training is more about discovery, giving people projects and opportunities to go away, to look at a problem, an issue, and 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 research it and come back and talk about it in groups. Um, I think executive teams need to be trained as well because in this fast-paced world that I talked about before where change is coming all the time, you need to keep up to date. And and things like cyber security is, is the kind of thing that I think management teams need to be trained in because going back to the your earlier question, you need to think about corners. I mean, I I really think most companies should be concerned about what may happen to their system. Can can they uh, be interrogated remotely? The whole solar winds thing that we've all been talking about over the last few months, and people need to be up to date and say, "Wow, I'm I'm concerned about that." But how many companies actually train employees in that? I mean, boards talk about it. They have specialists that talk about it. But I really think training is something that should be embraced all the time. And, 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 and Brian, it doesn't have to be a whole day. I mean, I think you can do a lot in one or two hours and really explain to people how it happens. And, and if I take the, the, the example I'm using, how it links with deep crime, how it links with other countries. I mean, and 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 I think there's so many fascinating aspects of that that employees would get the message. But what do we do? Most companies just put in some kind of monitoring device, but the employees are not quite sure why it's happening. Hmm. Uh, just a couple more questions. E-learning, that's becoming more and more prevalent, especially with the pandemic where people can't meet in person, the value of e-learning? Well, I think learning is a constant theme. It's something you do all the time. Um, I think e-learning, you have to define it as broadly as you can. I mean, one of the things I'm fanatical about is listening to podcasts. Um, I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you. I know that's the easy uh, <laughs> pick up on that. Um, but I, tr I I listen to them all the time. I mean, I'm I'm truly excited about what I learn. I, I learn so much about football because there's a whole pile of uh, podcasts on that, particularly the business of football. Um, I learn. I mean, I'm really interested in politics, so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts there. But I listen to a lot of business podcasts as well because, again, it, we're constantly learning. 
And podcasts, I find a very relaxing way of learning because I can be running or working out and, and you just stick your headphones in and listen to a podcast. You can be doing it while you're driving. And, and, and one of the things I find a really good technique is I go for a run, say, listen to a podcast, and I, I discipline myself to come back and write three things I learned. And, and what does that do? It reinforces the learning. Um, and, and, and it often helps you when you go back and say having a management meeting, if you've got three things that can improve the organization, wow, that's powerful. Last question for you. Uh, what led you to want to write a book? Cause that's a big undertaking. And what are the one or two things that you want people to take away from your book, the challenge culture? Okay. So firstly, I didn't ever have an ambition to write a book, and you're right, it is a big undertaking. Um, and I was aided by a guy called John Butman, who was fantastic. He used to sit in the chair behind me and talk to me and record it for hours. Very sadly, John passed away last year. I'm sorry. He was, he was a great individual, became a great friend. And, you know, by talking about him, uh, I want to remember him. Um, he made it easy but it is a big undertaking. And I think the things I'd like people to take away is everyone needs challenging all the time. Challenge isn't, shouldn't be an aggressive part of business or sports or whatever. It's a way of making things better. And, and too many people rely on the hierarchy. One of the things we do at Lake Orient Football Club, which for those who don't know is a, uh, EFL, English Football League, League Two team, um, is everyone is encouraged to challenge me and the ball. It, you know, to ask questions, to probe, come up with new ideas. And I truly think one of the things after writing the book that I probably missed, the challenge culture is about taking the hierarchy out of the organization. In other words, I consider myself just as another person at Lake Orient. We're all in it together. We're on a great journey together. We're making progress every day. And by keep challenging what we do, we're going to get better. So I think that's one big message. But the other one's the one I mentioned earlier. The way to communicate is to ask questions. Most people respond when you ask questions about why are you doing things? I mean, I might say to you now, why are you doing this podcast? And then it starts a discussion. And, and the point I make in the book is about open questions. And I truly think questioning is something that most people don't pay enough attention to. I could go on. There's a few others there. Probably the other one is don't take yourself too seriously, which I think fits very nicely with the challenge culture. Nigel Travis, the former chairman of the board at Duncan Brands, former CEO at Papa John's, former COO at Blockbuster, the joint owner and chairman of Leighton Orient Football Club and author of the tremendous book, The Challenge Culture. Follow him on Twitter at Nigel Travis. Nigel, thanks so much for joining us on the Learning Unlock podcast. Thank you very much, Bob. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.